Hello and welcome back to Open Door, an education podcast that gives you a glimpse into classrooms of educators from all around the world. I'm Chris Galley and I'm delighted to be joined as always by my colleague, co-host and friend, Mr. Lee Blowers. Lee, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, mate. Yourself? Not too bad. Long time no pod. I know, I know. I feel like I need to take the opportunity to apologise for missing out on Claire, but it was a wonderful listen. It was, wasn't it? And just listening back, it was fantastic. And glad to see you finally resolved your issues with your internet. Yes, I'm glad <laughs> to be back. It is good. It's a good feeling. <laughs> and so we're sort of at the business end now with term one. We're nearly done. Reports yeah. finished. Reports finished. Uh, teaching and learning sort of wrapping up towards the end of the first term. And I've noticed, I think this is number 15. That's quite significant, podcast. isn't it's it? A significant number. I feel very, very proud for what we've achieved so far. Two Roman numerals. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, tonight we are going to be joined by Andy Perrier from Cognita. And so we're going to be talking about coding and coding in the classroom and the impact that that can have on student learning. What's your experience with coding, Lee? Um, to be honest, it was one that I'd not really got into until I'd started teaching. Mm-hmm. So I'd never tried coding and then a very inspirational uh, PYP coordinator I had in the past just went on a really long spiel once about why we must incorporate coding into our curriculum. Mm. So I found myself leaving the bar that night and just researching and getting started. How about for you? Um, well, I had a really bad experience in college studying A-level computing. Um, it wasn't what I expected and it sort of put me off. I think I actually dropped it after AS level, mm. sort of the first year in college, um, and never came back to it. And then a couple of years ago, just got into the everyone can code curriculum and sort of sparked that interest. And it's something I'm really looking forward to getting into more myself. It seems that the everyone can code curriculum has inspired a lot of people. Just flicking through my Twitter feed and seeing lots oh, of Oh yeah, things. yeah. It's definitely hot at the minute, particularly with computer science week coming up. Ah, yeah. Um, so let, let me just introduce our guest for tonight. Um, we are joined by Andy Perrier. Andy is based in Bristol in England, and he is the digital learning advisor for Cognita. So in his role, Andy supports teachers from across Cognita's group of UK schools in developing their use of technology uh, to enhance teaching and learning. And so we're joining him tonight ahead of Cognita Codes, which is an event which is taking place the week of December 2nd to 6th, um, in conjunction with Computer Science Week. So we're going to be asking Andy what's going on with that, what are the plans, and how are schools going to be integrating that um, during that week. So let's get into the show. Hi Andy, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you so much for inviting me onto your podcast. No, no well... Thank you for taking the time to be with us tonight for this very special episode. Um, we're going to be talking about coding tonight, but before we get into that, I know that the question on the lips of all of our listeners is, how's the piano going? <laughs> um, I, yeah, no, I've, I've been practicing um, for about four months for my grade three piano. Mm. Um, I took my exam um, in a very chilly hall um, on Saturday morning. <laughs> Um, but I don't find out the results for a couple of weeks. It's still quite archaic. Oh. Um, so oh. I, and, and they can't really let kind of give the game away. So they say 
thank you very much. And then you walk out and you're left a bit lost, kind of lonely in the streets. So, uh, yeah, but I'll, I'll let you know that the <laughs> as soon as I find out. It's... <laughs> well, it's been fascinating to follow along with that journey. What inspired you to take up the piano again? It's really interesting. I Because I sit on the education team at Cognita and we've got a lot of um, amazing individuals that are working hard to kind of improve their well-being. And, and one of them um, is a runner and they decided to run 50 miles uh, in the summer for, for, for charity. And I just thought, I'm not that person. I'll never be that person. But I did used to do music when I was younger and I do still really enjoy learning. And I did piano, but didn't do um, kind of scales and I didn't do um, exams. And it's something that I actually regret as a child. And then I just told myself that kind of, you know, better better late than never, you know, there's no, there, there's no um, better time to start than now. Um, so yeah, in the summer, I just um, went on went on the Google and uh, found, found a piano tutor 10 minutes walk away. Um, and then, yeah, every, uh, every Thursday at eight o'clock, because it seems to be kind of the only part of my week that is free. Um, <laughs> I kind of spent half an hour, an hour with him and uh, yeah, and, and you know, it's amazing to actually feel the tangible benefits, to actually feel yourself getting better. Because a lot of the times when you learn something, you don't see that improvement for a long time. Mm. So it's been, it's been actually a, a really rewarding exercise and something that I didn't think I would enjoy as much as I do. That's oh, fantastic. I find that really interesting how you're inspired by amazing people around you, but doing completely different things. Yeah, I mean that's the excuse I tell myself. Um, it was um, it was actually I'll tell you what it was it was part of um, Global Be Well Day where mm. actually because of the job that I do because of the the kind of the um, um, when I'm not in school supporting you know I, I am by the computer and I'm thinking actually what what can I do actually just to kind of help with with my well being because you know I, I am on the road a lot I'm in front of the computer a lot and actually this mm. just kind of takes you away from from all of that and it's uh, yeah it's been a kind of fantastic. Of antidote to uh yeah to the busy day i love that and it's it's really embodying that spirit of lifelong learning and also putting yourself in the shoes of a learner taking a test going through that experience it's really incredible yeah the um the the test itself <clears throat> i was really really nervous in the morning more nervous than i've been for anything in a long time and i think i'm i'm, I'm hopefully putting that towards something that because i care i cared about it so much uh, or I was putting kind of, you know, all of my, um, yeah, my hopes and dreams into this 15 minute. Um, <laughs> um, but actually when I got there and there was a kind of a beautiful grand piano um, and they said, oh, just, just have a little tinker, have, have a little warm up. And I kind of play the scale and instantly just the nerves melted as this kind of amazing noise filled the hall. Um, and that really put my, my mind at rest. So now the nerves are back as I wait for the, uh, <laughs> wait for the result. So we shall see. We will all keep our fingers crossed for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so as we've started talking about learning, let's kick it off by maybe you could introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your journey into education. Yeah, so my name is Andy Perrier. I'm Cognita's Digital Learning Advisor. Um, and my my role into education, because I was a teacher before this, actually is a bit of a, a bit of a shaggy dog tail, but I, I actually didn't do a teaching degree to start. Um, I actually did. I actually started a computer science degree. Um, and when I was uh, doing my A-levels, I didn't think there was much else out there. Um, I, don't, I didn't really go to the careers officer to, to, to ask. My dad kind of dabbled in this and I thought, you know what, this, this is going to be great. And I applied to, to Manchester, one of the homes of computer science, home of Alan Turing, just kind of the, 
the the, the mecca of where I wanted to to be. Um, mm. I got and I got there. And I instantly found it incredibly difficult. Um, <laughs> I managed to sign up to an accommodation that didn't have internet, so I learned Java out of a book. Um, and you know, I had to kind of trek twenty minute walk to the library in order to just to kind of compile any code. And it was it was a bit of a slog. And I think I found a bit of darkness along the way. And um, in the se- middle of the second year. I kind of had a lot of conversations with a lot of people and just thought, actually, I'm not, I'm not having the best time. And I just thought, actually, I, I need to take kind of a step back and, and, and reflect. So I, um, I left Manchester and I kind of um, did a couple of admin jobs, um, kind of felt a bit lost. And, and my dad said, um, he basically said, yeah, all jobs are boring, really. All jobs are boring. <laughs> a dentist, a hygienist, an accountant gets a bookkeeper. And, he, he just, and then he just said, have you thought about teaching? And I hadn't thought about teaching. And uh, he told he kind of reminded me of my old head teacher, Mr. Kenny. And and instantly kind of something felt right. But I didn't want to rush into it again. So I actually took another year out and I did a couple of jobs. I was I was a dinner lady um, at um, I suppose there weren't really dinner gentlemen there. Um, I was a dinner lady for um, two terms um, and just wanted to make sure that I, it just felt felt right. Just being in the school system again. And um, then I applied for a, a, an undergrad teaching degree at Bristol UWE. So I spent three years there and uh, yeah, got my, got my QTS and did some supply work in Bristol. And then from there, I've taught in London, I've taught in Dubai, I've taught in primary, I've taught, taught in secondary. I've taught um, as, a, as a general uh, primary teacher, a specialist ICT teacher. So my kind of my route through teaching has been um, quite quick and quite nuanced in terms of the opportunities that have been afforded to me. And then finally, after being um, head of digital learning at Putney High School, um, I'm now digital learning advisor for, for Cognita in the UK. So um, responsible for, for supporting teachers um, with how to use technology to best support them in, 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 in teaching and learning. And it's, uh, yeah, I've been here for two years now. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been great. Amazing. And so that's, quite a big change isn't it from you know being in the classroom and then switching um into that sort of management role within cognita so what's sort of the day-to-day you're working with lots of different schools yeah um, yeah absolutely it's um it, it's what's amazing about it is just like a teacher yeah no day is the same so um the the role that i had before kind of supporting one school with 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 using technology yeah <laughs> multiply by 40 um <laughs> but but actually what that means is um in the uk um our schools um, are going through quite a big refresh at the moment which means that um the kind of the the, the computers and the projectors are actually being replaced with with windows 10 touch touchscreen um, um tablets with with wireless tvs and actually, it's really, really exciting because when I go into a school and I support the staff, it's with, with not only new technology, and the technology doesn't mean anything, it's actually new opportunities afforded to the teachers that weren't there previously. And I'm a massive, my, my, my two big goals were all around untethering the teacher from the front of the classroom and collaboration within school. So the idea of untethering the teacher, because we all know that you teach from where your computer is or from where the board is, and the opportunity to, 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 to bring this refresh, um, a sense of freedom, where teachers can actually hold the, the tablet in their hands. It's a, it's a touch screen, they've got a stylus, so they can, still, they can still use interactivity. The interactivity has just been democratised. It's now in their hands rather than um, with their back turned to the, to the class. And because it's wireless, they can teach from anywhere. 
And what's really amazing is to see, um, especially on Twitter, because that's kind of the nicest way to, 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 to celebrate these things, um, it's just teachers actually teaching how they would, um, but just with that extra use of technology, it augments their teaching to allow instant formative assessment by using the camera and throwing, throwing it up onto the board and annotating straight away, inviting children to comment on what's working really well and how their peers can improve. So that idea of the, the untethered teacher um, is what has been driving um, most of my, uh, my, my work in schools. The second half um, is collaboration. So I've been working with how teachers collaborate first of all, and that's using kind of um, fantastic kind of online tools like Microsoft Teams and there's um, obviously South Bank um, using Google as well. But actually, again, it's not about the technology, it's bringing the connections in the school and actually as a school's group as, as well together to allow the, the, the staff, to allow the colleagues to work together on things, again, that wouldn't have been possible without the technology before it. So what's been really interesting is, even though my, my job is, is digital, digital learning advisor, actually, most of my day is spent talking about teaching and learning and that's definitely the right way around and, and, and how it should be and as we move forward then we'll start to think about actually how do we then collaborate with the children have the children um, get on this kind of amazing journey with, uh, with what the teachers have experienced so I've, I've only just literally scratched the surface of, of, of my job but I know that there's a, there's a fantastic fantastic road ahead fantastic yeah and I think in its purest essence you know technology in the classroom it once it's really put into practice it just sort of um, vanishes doesn't it? it just becomes what's happening in the classroom absolutely like i love that word and you know it's not just the teachers that are different to the classroom anymore um but everyone's got that power in their hands yeah absolutely it's fantastic yeah definitely something i've seen in my own teaching i think since having uh, mobile devices or portable devices is that ability to go one-on-one -on -one with a student to help them um, understand the concept closer and wherever, whatever space they're using at the time. Um, so Andy, you mentioned you've been in the role now for two years. Mm. So for yourself in that role, what have been some of the highlights so far? Wow, it's, <clears throat> it's one of those things where every day is different. So actually, God, what have I done? Mm. I, think, um, I, think, I think the highlight has to be the people because you know, the greatest asset in the classroom is, is, is the teacher and actually being able to go around and not only um, help teachers and actually help a large number of teachers, far more than I would actually to be able to, to do in one school, but actually where the power of, of our schools group comes in is being able to bring people together. So not just virtually, um, but I think this, this March we had Cognita's uh, inaugural digital learning conference. Mm. Um, so actually bringing people into a room because Whereas, um, you know, using um, using cloud services um, to, to be able to communicate, it is fantastic and it's, and it's serving a need, but actually to be able to put people face to face to to share and celebrate what they're doing, to, to trade war stories, um, it just brings people um, together. And, you know, we're so much stronger as a schools group learning from each other. So I want to continue kind of helping forge these connections, not only kind of online, because that's that's almost the easy bit, but because we're so far away from each other, actually, when we do get into a room together, we can share and we can learn so much from each other. Um, so that's um, that's definitely been my highlight, actually, just meeting the people and then and then being able to get them almost to, to meet each other. I love that. I love that, that you put the people first. And I think you've definitely been an integral part of that, you know, organizing the digital learning event back in March. 
the workers on Cognita and sharing that best practice, not just within the UK, but with our colleagues from around the world is, is really inspiring to be part of that. And so you mentioned that you're supporting 40 different schools around the UK. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess in a way they become your students in a class. You know, you, you've got um, a big class of 40 different schools. And so you've got a wide range of schools um, within your classroom, so to speak. So how do you go about supporting the different needs of those different schools? I guess they're all at different points of their digital learning journey. Yeah, it, I mean, the, the spectrum couldn't be wider. It's, it's supporting school at different journeys, but also the teachers are all in different journeys. Um, mm. And what's been really good as I've, I've gone, gone on my travels, um, the, the, the refresh actually started uh, last September and it's due to finish in, in February. So it's about 18 months I would have been on the road um, rolling through with this, with this, um, this refresh and, and this support. I would say that what's what's best for the school is what I do so I, I'm, I'm kind of I, because we celebrate the differences of our schools in Cognito we're not a, a cookie cutter kind of schools group we celebrate the diversity of each of each school and I think it's fair to say that actually because there's diversity there is challenge because we don't want to get the the, the teachers to conform uh, but we do need a set of kind of standards to be able to support and and to kind of to, to, to raise the tide for for everyone so in terms of how I support, it's completely at the, at the will of the school. So I've led, um, I've led twilight sessions after school. I've led individual one-to-one -one sessions. I've led small group sessions. I, I use my time as flexibly, flexibly as possible because I know that for every teacher, actually the, the, the biggest challenge is finding the time for this extra CPD and, and the technology um, and the investment that Cognita put in for, for these schools, it just won't work unless there's someone like me and also a teacher um, to be able to be there with the with the teachers. Um, and also I, I, I hope that it gives um, a form of kind of empathy with the teachers that I've been there and I've done that and I've seen my own challenges. So I'm not just coming from an IT side, um, being an evangelical about the new technology, but actually offering practical tips. Um, I'm, a, I'm a massive believer that you shouldn't deliver CPD that can't be picked up and used the next lesson. So the, 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 the strategies that I use are all down to kind of small bite-sized chunks that a teacher can take one thing, kind of the, it's, it's the fewer things better um, mode, I suppose. They can take that one thing and they can put it into their classroom and they can work on it for a couple of weeks. I think there's, there's nothing worse than turning up to a, a CPD session or an inset session and, or even, you know, a Twitter list that goes, oh, the, the top 30 apps for this app, <laughs> it just doesn't work. But actually, if you talk about, actually, I want to be able to, to inform, um, you know, progress in class. Well, okay, well, let's just, let's look at one thing. How can technology be used just to support that, that one thing in class? And as I've gone around each of the schools, actually, even though they're quite diverse, actually, their needs are the same. Um, to be able to be more efficient um, with, with using technology, which frees them up to be able to do other fantastic teaching and learning, uh, to be able to support them with um, with feedback, to be able to support them with those things that actually you do as a teacher anyway, but now you've got this technology, you, um, you need to be able to support them with having the confidence when not to use technology. So if a blank piece of paper and a pencil will do, then do that. And I think actually sometimes, maybe if I if, if they know I'm coming around, they might try and put on a show, but I'm, I'm, all, I'm trying to get them to be as realistic as possible about their own journey and where they are. 
And I always tell them, my job is to let you just take that, that next step. And then when I come back, we'll take that next step. Um, and I think that's been really well um, received. I think the, the the schools that I've been around, I know, have 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 seen the kind of the impact of the of the refresh, um, and to to see the the colleagues use the technology and to be able to teach in ways that wouldn't have been possible before. That transformative, you know, if we think about the the SAMI model, that transformative aspect, um, that that redefinition, that's what I'm aiming for. So these these colleagues are able to do things in the classroom that they just wouldn't have been able to do without the technology. Um, so yeah, it's 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 an interesting um, it's an interesting job being able to see all these schools and to be able to support them. Um, but uh, yeah, where where I meet them on 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 their kind of their point of digital learning um, is is yeah is is what gets me up in the morning to be able to just take the, let them all take that that next step forward. Hmm. It's wonderful to see your passion in doing that, and I think it's something I personally have always respected in leaders to not just walk in and to say this is how it must be done but to look at the other person's perspective and say well where is it that you need that support and how can I help you do that it's not working at them but working with them if that makes sense yeah and I think um and I think it's really important to think about the the teachers as well and the, and the demographic of the teachers um and to, to accept that actually not all teachers are completely digitally literate um, that might have been through lack of opportunity, the lack of hardware, the lack of infrastructure. Um, so when I when 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 the the tech refresh comes through, it's almost as if we can start again, because actually the technology technically it's not a it's not a projector, it's a TV, it's not a desktop, it's a tablet. The technology is just is just a substitution. But now what you can do with it is the transformation. Um, so if they can just do those 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 two or three small things that actually requires zero preparation again you can be in the moment when you when you activate these these tools um, if you can be in the moment and and kind of use the technology to support in the class and then move on I think that's where technology is the most powerful it's um it's subtle um, it doesn't get in the way there isn't a barrier to the to the teaching and to the learning and I think that's where technology is at its most powerful and if I, if I can unlock those those small things for, for all those teachers that tide will get raised far more quickly that's amazing. I mean, you're definitely having a, a really big impact and it's it's been really great to see some of that impact happening on Twitter and the things that you're sharing and coming through within the schools um, has been really inspiring to see. Um, speaking of being inspired, we're, we're also here tonight to discuss um, an upcoming event which is taking place next week, which is Cognito Codes. Cognito Codes. Um, yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little about the Cognito Codes event? Yeah, absolutely. So for about a year, I've been, again, rattling my brain with the idea of how do we bring people together? How do we bring people together that might be um, um, celebratory, um, doesn't impinge too much on teachers' time, um, that um, is to do with a passion that's still very close to my heart, and um, I was chatting with my with my line manager, and um, you know, Cognito loves a good alliteration, and we you know we've got we've got Cognito calling um, that's been um, set up so to allow um, colleagues in different classrooms to be able to connect around the world with with other colleagues um, around Cognito, and that idea of bringing people together has just kind of sparked something in me. So Cognito codes essentially is a celebration of all things computing and 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 um, and coding, and. I, it's actually something that a lot of schools do already, 
but I don't mm-hmm. think it's celebrated enough. I think it's it's still quite new in the curriculum. You know, the 2014 curriculum has, has, has put an emphasis back on computing, and and we all know that kind of the the, the curriculums the curricula go go in cycles. So you know, the the the, the children of the 80s will probably say, oh no, we, we've we've always had coding, and. <laughs> But but actually, I think I think it's just something that's worth celebrating and celebrating on on a, on a global level. So in this first year, actually, all we're doing is is celebrating the work that goes on with coding and with computer science from as many schools um, in Cognita as possible. And we've got um, you know colleagues that teach in early years, colleagues that teach in A level, and and all the way up in IB. And Actually, what I want to do is just to get, have children um, experience a special lesson of, of, of coding, of, of, of computing, um, and then we celebrate it. We celebrate it online, on Twitter, using hashtag CognitoCodes. And I think all we want to do is, is to kind of <laughs> just put a ribbon on top of the fantastic work that goes on in our school. I've got kind of big plans for the future as well, because in the second year, actually, how can we start to work together with CognitoCodes? In terms of bringing schools together and working on the same projects, you know, I think I think there's a fantastic trajectory this can take. But I think in year one, it's all about celebrating what goes on. And I think a lot of schools already do it. A lot of schools might uh, take up the gauntlet and actually have a look at some of the resources that are on um, cognita.codes. And I think it's just a wonderful opportunity just to kind of unify what is actually really important. Coding is is you know it's the language of the future. It's not going it's not going to go away. And I think. As we, you know, we, t- we, we teach children how to use computers, you know, that's essentially teaching them how to read. We teach children how to write, but do we teach them how the computers work and how to actually make them, uh, make them work and make them talk to us? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm actually really glad that the government has, has changed the computing curriculum um, in 2014 to allow much more, a greater emphasis on this. I mean, we obviously mustn't lose sight of, of ICT skills as well. But I think it is. It's it's the language of the future, and I think um, I think just as um, um, people might be using their um, in the future, they might have a 3D printer to create that spare part to help with a bit of DIY around the house. They might just create that quick app that helps just that little nugget of something they need to do just on the fly like that. You know, it's a it's a DIY tool for the for the for the future that can be used kind of socially and 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 in enterprise as well. So it's uh, yeah, I think it's definitely something to be celebrated. I think you're sat down with two teachers who have definitely bought in um, to the idea and are very, very excited about Cognita Codes. But if I can just play devil's advocate for a moment, yeah, what is the point? Why are we teaching children to code? Are there any benefits at all? It's a really interesting one. I think actually, I mean, I suppose you could say that coding is the product of all the things that goes into learning how to code. Because what coding can do is it can teach collaboration skills with with students um, working together. It can give um, it can give meaning to giving real life um, solutions to real life problems. Um, it can allow um, teamwork. Um, it can um, it can really support in, in, in children's creativity. I think actually, if if <laughs> you want to be as glib as you said earlier, um, <laughs> actually. Actually, the, the 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 code actually is the is the product of all these things that that we can that we can do together um, to support children in in their development. Um, I think that coding itself um, is just going to be something that's necessary in the future. I think we 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 um, we scare everyone, don't we, by saying you know in twenty thirty you know x number of jobs are going to be done by the robots. Um, so actually, it's 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 interesting. You, you we know it's coming. 
So actually, let's give our students the best skills possible to be able to, to be the change makers with what these robots do um, and to, to, to lead kind of a revolution for good um, in supporting how AI in the future is, is going to be adopted. Because it will be adopted and we can either kind of shirk away from it or we can embrace it and we can embrace it with positivity. So the best chance that we give our, our, our youngsters um, from the very youngest um, all the way up is only going to help empower the future generation to make positive change in this world. Well, I think you've sold me. <laughs> um, I couldn't agree more. I think there's, from what I see, sort of as you said, it's not so much about the code itself. It's more about the transferable skills that children can get from an experience with coding. Like you said, there's it's not just a solitary um, activity where, you know, children are sat at a desk as, you know, sort of a stereotype would have it, um, but it's, it's a very collaborative experience. Um, and, you know, children are building up their critical thinking, but sort of, as you said, they're also building this computational thinking where they're learning how to solve a problem. They're learning how to debug they're learning you know, if I tell a computer to do something, then it's going to do this. And I, if I give steps in a certain order, you know, all of these things, they, they have connections across the curriculum, don't they? Absolutely. And I think, I think actually coding, yeah, you're right, it shouldn't be a discrete subject. We're not coding for coding's sake. Um, you know, we, if, I, if, if I look back to, um, you know, the work I did with, with, when I used to teach in early years, um, you know, be... Um, tools like BeeBots, you know, the little the little buzzy bees that you can program to go forwards, backwards, left and right. Um, you, you when you use um, when you help children um, kind of develop their their instructional skills, you don't just have a BeeBot and talk about forwards, backwards, left, right. You you set a scenario. You you set a real world problem. You create a map for the BeeBot to to sit on. You turn the BeeBot into uh, an ambulance, and you talk about how do we find the best route to the uh, princess who's broken her collarbone or something. Um, but it's not, so it, it doesn't, again, it doesn't become about the B-Bot. It becomes about how do we work together to work out where we put this B-Bot, what instructional language we use in order to get the B-Bot to the right place. Just like digital learning um, kind of technology, um, it's just the tool that supports kind of the, 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 these extra, I mean, God, they call them soft skills, but they're not soft, are they? These extra skills that, um, that actually is the most important thing in children. When a child goes up um, to, to be 18, they're like, oh, what do you know about learning? They wouldn't go, ah, B-Bots. You know, it's not, it, the actual object isn't the thing that they do, but actually I managed to save the princess. You know, that's you know, that, that's the story. That, that's the story we want to sell to the children as well, because actually everything then goes around um, how we you know, <laughs> save the princess from her broken collarbone. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's the story we want to sell, and actually the technology again is just a byproduct of 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 how we let children in on, in on this journey. I find it really interesting just listening to yourself and Chris talking there, and my own perception of coders over the last ten years. And as you're speaking, you're talking about the problems that we solve together, and we save the princess, and just that mind shift over the last ten twenty years of thinking about a coder in that dark room on their own mm -hmm. to now being everybody sitting there and discussing a problem and trying to work it out. And I think that really transfers to uh, where we are in the world and in society now, mm -hmm. trying to solve bigger problems together. 
Definitely. And I think maybe some of that has sort of come about with the shifts we've seen in technology. You know, if you think about just over 10 years ago, there wasn't an app store. Um, you know, the app economy didn't exist, but now that is a, a viable profession for hundreds of thousands, millions of people. And to be able to be the, the person who creates the next Uber or the next Netflix, you know, it's it's tangible for children, isn't it? You know, going back to what Andy said before, this uh, idea of coding has been democratized and it's, mm. it is accessible to everyone. Oh, that's really interesting. I That word tangible has just sparked me ex exactly what coding should be about. Because I, I was thinking about actually kind of, you know, what, what are the tools, what are the kind of the go-to um, kind of apps and, and toys for use in the classroom? And I was just, the, the, the thing that shot out to me most actually was, was, was microbit because actually something that is tangible, something that you can hold in your hands. I think a lot of cur um, curricula over, around the country, um, you know, we utilize things like Scratch, we use block programming, which is absolutely phenomenal for introducing children into the idea of how in, in, kind of instructional coding happens, block coding happens, but actually Scratch stays on the screen. Mm -hmm. That has that block coding and also has that progression into into written code as well. To be able to hold something in your hand that you have created, I think that's where the power lies. So actually, when thinking about coding, if there's anything that you can, yeah, that you can have that is tangible, I, I do think it's infinitely more powerful. And, and and sometimes I feel a bit sorry for you know the key stage two, three, um, and four students if they're learning Python and actually everything's always just stuck on the screen and in bare. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, when when actually, if we if we, if we take the code off and, and put it in the hands of something that um, th that you've created, I think there's so much power and so much kind of excitement that can be created in the in the in the hands of the students. Definitely, and um, I run a couple of coding clubs at school myself. One with the younger children, one with the uh, upper primary, and we've been using Sphero quite a bit. And to see the excitement and the engagement of coding the sphere or whether it's going around the maze or if you're um, plotting the points of a triangle um, it's incredible you know that just being able to see that device moving as a result of your code and it's way more engaging if you can do that with a device as you say rather than on a screen if you um if you kind of translate what you've just said and just have it just on the screen. You've got a little circle that goes from left to right that you've that you've created. I can imagine every kid will go, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. And, yeah. and, then, and then that would be it. Similarly, if you had um, like logo or something and you were, and you were drawing your triangle, there would be that kind of that brief, that brief excitement. But because you've, you've, you've brought it out into the real world, you're solving problems with tangible things. It, it's just, it's, it's crazy actually just how, um, how much more powerful it becomes. Um, when it's just extracted from the screen and, and put in the, in the hands of these children. It's amazing. Mm. Interesting that you just mentioned uh, Logo as well. I've been reading Mitchell, is it Resnick, the mm -hmm. MIT professor who, uh, the lifelong kindergarten. And I don't know if you've read that, it's a fantastic book. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of the time it's talking about that same sort of idea. If you have a lot of new coding games, are out and it does teach basic coding skills, but to actually have a physical um, coding toy or to have a physical problem that you're trying to solve 
is so much more tangible and useful for students. Definitely. I think he talks a lot in the book, doesn't he, about also sparking creativity mm. and about how he works with a lot of students who use Scratch to create these amazing animations. And so, you know, it's not just about coding a light switch or something like that. It's, you know, you can actually use code to create some amazing things. So in my, when I taught year six in um, in Dubai, I taught them computing. Actually, we, we every year the school I was at, they had a, a, an arts, um, an arts event where every single year group would, would, would produce just this amazing piece of art. So I challenged myself and I challenged the, the students to make art using purely scratch and maths. So the ability to, um, you know, um, to create amazing shapes, you know, polygons, but then it rotates by 10 degrees and then repeats it. So actually they're creating art. They don't quite realize that I'm, I'm teaching them kind of loops and, you know, and, and functions and, and if and thens and all that sort of stuff, because actually all they're doing is making art. And you're again, you're extract, you know, you're extracting the the problem solving and the and the coding. It's it's um, and the art, the art that they created is just phenomenal. I mean, I, I my display was pretty good. I, I won't lie. <laughs> Um, actually, it, it was just a case of, you know, you give, you give the students the tools and you give them the reason why you want them to use these tools. And, you know, that's that's half the battle won. So, yeah, I love that. And, you know, as you say, it's, it can definitely be creativity, can't it? Whether it's a piece of art or um, what a really great activity that we did last year is we got the children to design an app in Keynote, the presentation software. And so there was no code involved, but there was a lot of design thinking and they looked at other examples of apps and how they were designed and then they just used hyperlinks within the presentation to sure. think about okay how would this app work and they worked together in a group to think of a problem that they wanted to solve so some of them they created like a school calendar app so they had their agenda on there they had their home learning and there was no code involved but it was all just about how would this work and bringing in fonts and colors and iconography um, so it's a way to sort of bring the whole experience together yeah that's the word experience it's yeah the idea of user experience of design thinking um, the fact that actually the app on the outside will still function as if the app had been coded so actually again like, like we just talked about before actually the code it doesn't doesn't really matter it's everything else around it that is the really important stuff and the idea of working together for 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 solving a problem mm. part i think of, of of everything we do with our coding absolutely and so before when you were talking about the premise of cognitive codes you almost sort of sold it as it's like giving a taster to some of the children you're saying this is you know this is what coding's about and this is what you can do and i know when we've had these conversations at our school we've got a lot of teachers involved and asking you know saying you know, i really want to teach code but i've never done it before and i'm not sure where to start so what sort of advice would you give to teachers who want to get involved next week or go beyond that where can they get started with code yeah, so what I wanted to do was I wanted to create a kind of a, a, a pop-up platform that, because I, I, I know that we've got colleagues, again, if we talk about the spectrum, that um, you know might not have taught coding before, either because you know they don't teach it in school or um, it's still relatively kind of new in their world, up to um, wonderful behemoths like yourselves that um, actually kind of live, live, live and breathe it and it's, it's, it's just part of what you do. So what I wanted to do um, is create a website that offers as much support as possible for all teachers. 
So yeah, www.cognita.codes. Um, a bit, bit of a boon finding that website. That was. Uh, mm. um, but um, yeah, on on the website about halfway down, I've got um, a large number of resources that I've tapped into, um, and I've, I've 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 put the kind of my little filtering system on it that talks about whether it's an infant, a junior, or a senior uh, resource, whether it requires um, um, kind of a native hardware um, like an iPad or a Microbit or a Sphero. Um, also, what's amazing about Cognito Codes is you don't actually need technology or a computer in order to take part. The bottom three um, or so of the um, of the, the, the stack of uh, resources talks about unplugged computing. And unplugged computing is really interesting because it shows that you can teach computational thinking and everything around that, debugging, algorithms, instructional language, all of that can be put into an amazing lesson without even going anywhere near a computer. So I think if, um, for example, resources might be quite tight, if, if, if the laptop banks out already or the ICT suites in use, actually anyone can take part if they use unplugged computing. And also it's quite a, a low stakes way of getting involved with computational thinking, computer science and coding, because actually all you need, again, like we talked about before, a bit of paper and a pencil, and you're still able to absolutely engage with everything that Cognitive Code stands for. Good. I'll say I, I absolutely love it. Um, a lot of the time I hear people, teachers have spoken to me and said, but our Wi-Fi network goes down or our computers are not reliable or I need to book, book a room um, for certain times to use the computers. To, so to have uh, those resources of unplugged um, coding is fantastic. It's a really great opportunity for everyone to get involved. I think the um, I think what I've tried to do is because our schools group as well is just it's just so diverse. Actually, mm -hmm. I, I put a bit of everything into the into the website. So yeah, those early years teachers up to um, you know the the teachers that are, are teaching computer science and and um, probably don't need anything from me to to support them. But also. <laughs> Because we've got um, we, we've got schools um, around the globe. Actually, the website itself is translated into into Spanish and into Portuguese as well. And um, I think it's just really important as a schools group we are we're, we're inclusive with everything that we do. So actually, every every school um, is able to uh, is able to, to to have a go. I think this year is just about having a go. And if you already have a go, actually, just let people know that you're having a go. So on Twitter, you can go uh, and use the hashtag uh, Cognito Codes. And then what I'll do is I'll I'll collate all of that. And yeah, and I'll, I'll wrap my own little bow around it and, 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 and create <laughs> a great package just to share back with the schools about this amazing kind of thing that, that teachers are choosing to, to be a part of. Um, and I think, um, yeah, as we as we move, I'm already thinking about next year, but actually next, <laughs> next year, actually, we can start to think about as we, we, we work even harder towards collaboration, actually getting schools to talk to each other about working together and solving a project. So not only do you have um, the idea of, of, of supporting within a school, but then you've got the idea of that, that global collaboration and, and, and also development of character as well. And these, these, are, these are themes that are so important within Cognito. And I think this, this initiative is something that can, that can wrap it all up. I'm really sorry for using the, 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 the wrapping up analogy about five times, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's just something that works rather well. I completely agree. And maybe it's time for us to put a little bow on this conversation thank and you. say thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us tonight. Really, really appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure. And yeah, congratulations on the podcast. It's, it's been really great to talk to you. Thank you very much. Um, you just mentioned the hashtag Cognita Codes for next week. But where can people find you personally on Twitter and Cognita, etc.? Yeah, so yeah, um, at Andy Perrier, so P-E-W-E. -E 
uh, Y-E-R. Um, and yeah, I, I, my, my, my Twitter is, is all about actually um, sharing, which is what's going on in, uh, in the schools and, um, and so yeah, celebrating the amazing stuff go- is going on. So yeah, I'm, I'm essentially just a conduit. My, 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 <laughs> my Twitter is, but actually it just means, it just means that people are able to see that the amazing work that's going on with, with our schools and um, yeah, promote it even further. Wonderful. Well, we look forward to see what's happening next week and following along with hashtag Cognito Codes. And we will be in touch again very soon. Thank you so much, Andy. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Thanks, Andy. Well, that was a wonderful chat with Andy. How did you feel about it, Chris? Oh, amazing. It's always really inspiring to chat with Andy. He's so knowledgeable and just such a nice guy as well. <laughs> Absolutely. It's really nice that he's part of our uh, group of schools. So we get to see him quite regularly and he gets to pop in. You always get a Absolutely. big smile, a nice yeah. welcome from him. Um, so Cognito Code, that's coming up next week for us. Yeah. So what are your plans for it? Well, so we're going to be working with grade four and grade one, and we're going to be doing some Sphero work, of course. Um, And so we're going to look at just coding, maybe getting into some loops. Um, What about yourself? Uh, I think we're grade two, so we'll be beginning with a little bit of unplugged coding and then see where it goes. That's always a good place to start. Yeah, yeah. It was lovely to hear Andy talking about it, and I think it's a great way to start. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've done a bit of that in the coding clubs this term. And to be honest, the children sometimes enjoy that more than the actual coding on the iPad or (laughs) on the computer. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we can get a few conversations going and good communication amongst the students before we give them their devices and see what happens. Definitely. So if you've listened this far, we'd love it if you would leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Helps people to find the show. If you would like to learn more about us, you can find me on Twitter. I'm cgalleyedu, Lee. And I'm at Mr. Blowers. Wonderful. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with another amazing guest. Until then, see you soon. Thank you.